everybody. Welcome back to The Fin Factor. I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. This is episode number 143. You know, it's kind of appropriate, actually, if you think about it, because 143, the page of code, of course, for I Love You, this should have been the Valentine's Day episode, uh, but we skipped Valentine's Day. Obviously, there wasn't anything fantastic going on there, but uh, significant in a very kind of coincidental kind of way. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. Let's... uh, Let's address the gremlin in the room uh, real quick. Um, we, we're supposed to go on at 9. It's what, 9.50, I think? It is 9.52. We, we, we had some uh, some traffic issues, which was just insane. It was backed up like crazy. Maybe we can post that picture on Twitter or something. Uh, Instagram, because we don't get any Instagram love anymore, right? right? So, uh, San Jose we'll traffic life. Yeah. Right, goofy man. Yeah. So uh, there was that, and then we have uh, some gremlins, as we said. So mm-hmm. um, it just just a, a crazy night, and we thank you guys so much for sticking around. Um, it, it just kind of shows you know, we've got a, a pretty decent following, and guys who are loyal to the show, and uh, we appreciate you ever so much. <laughs> Feel free, by the way, again to uh, retweet, share whatever it is on Instagram. Uh, get us out there to the rest of those uh, sharks, friends and family of yours. Get them in this uh, the, the chat there so we can have these conversations. We love doing that with you guys. Abysmo wants to know, what's a pager? What is a pager? <laughs> yep, I'm old. Showing Thank you. Age, huh? Thank you for uh, bringing that up. Yeah, yeah you are old. Been there. Yeah. I'm 40 now, man. Yeah, I know. I am 40. I don't look a day over 40. Uh, so... <laughs> There's that. Um, yeah, technology. Can't live with it. Can't live without it. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, uh, could not do it without Super Producer Jason. For as much uh, time I went by uh, beyond the actual start time, no way we would have got this thing uh, on the rails without him. So uh, can we get some hand clapping, some fire in the chat there for uh, Super Producer Jason? He's uh, killing it for us. So uh, there you go. A little bit of appreciation for the man. Good? All right. Um, yeah. I don't even want to talk about the past games, but we got it on the board. We're going to do it anyway. Um, and we're going to glance over it, I think. Sure. The Sharks, yeah. just in, in summary, let's just put it this way. The Sharks have lost the last six games straight. Right? Yes. So uh, what we're about to talk about, um, not at all interesting, <laughs> uh, but I think there's kind of a theme that we can go over with all of these uh, all these games at least. So we're not going to go into each one individually, but... Um, you go ahead, just kind of kick right, us we off. We can here. talk. It's kind of like you get highs and lows here because yeah. they went to Tampa. They went into Tampa Bay. This is the end of that road trip, right? And uh, they lost in overtime to Tampa Bay. I thought they played decently. They they took you know the the reigning Stanley Cup champions for the last two years yeah. to overtime. Played much better game than they did uh, when they got blown out at home before, like a week or two before that. So I thought that that was good. Then they went into the break, and then they come back and they play. Edmonton, right? Yeah. At home. And this was Evander Kane's first game against the Sharks. First of, I think he has four, right? I think there are four, four. yeah. Yeah, total. So the first game back uh, in San Jose, and, and, you know, the the crowd booed him every time he touched the puck. You know, that's pretty normal. I I think we have the new villain now, I guess. Sure. That everyone's just going to boo. I don't think we really have anyone else. That we boo? I guess I don't really have anything against the guy still. You know what I mean? I don't I don't think he's the type that he touches the puck, I have to boo him, right? If you think back uh, when when we played against Calgary, Theo Fleury, right? Yeah. He touched the puck, they booed him every oh, time. Yeah. yeah, totally. I don't think Evander Kane's that guy. For me, I don't think yeah. Evander Kane's that guy. But I'm not going to say, you know, don't boo him. Just, you know, do your so thing. There's, right? in, in the past, there's been Theo Fleury. There's been... Chris Pronger. Pronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Belfort. Belfort. Um... Soupy Campbell, Brian Campbell, oh, after yeah. he left, yeah. 
And man, there really has there been another one? Uh, there's there's a, here, here and there. There's been some guys, but um, I, for for my money, I don't think Evander Kane necessarily is one of those. Guys. No. Yeah, so. I, it, and to your point, like you said, like it was kind of a dead game, right? Like oh, it, there was no emotion, there was no nothing. They were going, they were going through the motions. Like they looked flat, they looked awful. The yeah. Sharks, I mean, Edmonton looked decent. <laughs> they, yeah. they dominated most of the game. Well, I mean, I mean, again, when you when you've got Connor McJesus, yes, okay, and the for his first apostle um, <laughs> <laughs> in Leon Dreisaitl, there were Germans there. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> So uh, when you've got them, and th- th- you know the funny thing is, when you look at Evander Kane and Drysaddle together, two dominant offensive forces, but also two big, strong bodies. Mm-hmm. It, it's reminiscent of when Hurdle was playing on the same line with with Evander Kane, right? Two big, strong bodies, two offensively charged uh, players uh, who could get the job done. So. I think he's fallen back into that position in in Edmonton here. I think he's probably going to be playing alongside of Drysaddle uh, moving mm-hmm. forward, which is good for him, good for his career. Again, I wish him all the best. Uh, I saw a comment earlier that said I hated that the fans booed him. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm kind of with you. I don't hate it. I, I don't love it, but um, I mean, it is you know neither here nor there. But you know, he's going to be one of those guys. That's where he's going to play. He's going to be that that force. So. Um, I, I don't know. It is what it is, and uh, again, I wish them all the best. But yeah, when you've got those players on your team, and you're you're an offensively minded player who belongs on the first or second line, and they've got McDavid and Drysaddle on the first and second line, you're going to be playing with one of the world's best, you know, yeah. no matter which way you cut it. So he's going to thrive there. He's going to do fine. Uh, so good for him. I, he needs one year contracts, maybe two yeah. year contracts. Yeah. That's about it, and then he'll thrive. I think that's this is kind of his problem is. Money management, and you can see just throughout his history. And then, you know, he's got other issues, obviously, sure. off the ice. But, um, yeah, he's going <laughs> to, he set himself up well. How getting out of San Jose in a contract that pretty much was untradeable, yeah, and landing in Edmonton and playing with Dreisaitl yeah. and or McDavid, like that's, you landed, you landed on your feet pretty oh, well yeah. there. Now, I don't know if he's on the first power play. If he is, then he's playing with both of them. Right. And that's, yeah, okay, that's enough Kane talk. Anyway, Let, let's move on here. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, uh, went uh, to play against Vancouver. Even when he's not on the team, we I have know, to talk about I him. Know. What's going on, I'm man? I'm tired of it. This is ridiculous. So uh, playing against Vancouver, yeah. this game was exciting. Uh, okay. Two teams, kind of the bottom of the Pacific Division, fighting over scraps. <laughs> and uh, it was an exciting game. It was a 5-4 overtime loss. Yeah. But to get to overtime... The uh, the Sharks, Bear Bonoff scored with 0.6 seconds left. Incredible. Now, I was chatting with uh, the fantasy hockey group for for the Fin Factor, mm-hmm. and we have a little chat room uh, in Fantrax, and we're talking, um, and this was before Vancouver had scored the go-ahead goal. I said, watch this. The Sharks are going to do whatever they can. They're going to lose this game. <laughs> then they score, and I'm like, oh, great. Now the Sharks are going to come back and score and I bet it's going to be with no time left on the clock, and they're going to review it, and it's going to say no goal. And, <laughs> and then it happened. I was like, "Oh my gosh! Yeah. Like this, this could actually happen." And but it, it, it stood. So thankfully, they got a point out of it. Nice. But went to overtime, and then yeah. I thought they looked terrible in overtime. Just uh, they couldn't get possession of the puck. It really hurts when they don't have Carlson. Carlson yeah. missing these games. Uh, the Sharks are definitely missing that. That puck moving defenseman Burns is not quite as good as it uh, as Carlson is, uh, and it just it trickle down effect kind of. We've seen Burns launch these like hundred foot passes, right? Yeah. We've seen him launch those before and go tape to tape with it. 
But they're fewer and farther between. And really, Burns' strong point isn't necessarily his passing. His strong point is being on that that uh, on the point, you know, walking the blue line, getting that wrister through somehow. Every single time he fires that shot, somehow, some way, it gets through. I don't get it. The guy's he's, he's, a, he's a shooting, magician. He's a shooting defenseman. He absolutely he's, is. Carlson's more of a playmaking defenseman. Uh, he scores goals. Right. Not that he doesn't score goals, but Burns is more of. I'm going to get it to the net, Crank so I'm going to deflect it, yeah. or I'm just going to snipe it from the corner of the blue line. See, and I had this conversation with somebody the other day where, you know, when Pavelski got, uh, when Pavelski didn't resign, um, it took that offensive weapon weapon away from Burns. And so his game had to evolve a little bit, mm-hmm. and I think it, it's taken him a little bit longer because he's so used to being able to just throw the puck at the net. Um, whereas, again, what you're saying they were missing is Carlson's playmaking ability. Again, we've seen him being able to just walk in across the blue line, um, and so effortlessly he just glides in, and people kind of give him too much respect sometimes, and he just takes the puck across the blue line. Those entries, you have to get in the zone before you can have a scoring chance. So he's giving his team an opportunity to do that every single time he carries that puck across the blue line, and that's something that I see Eric Carlson doing better and more often than Brent Burns. So yes, absolutely, though there are two offensive defensemen that you you really lean on on this team, one does one thing better than the other one does, yeah. and with when Carlson's missing, you're really missing that ability to take the puck in the zone, especially when it's three on three and you have a lot of open ice to work with. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, to your point in this game, absolutely they missed Eric Carlson uh, for that overtime. Uh, I hate I hate to do this. Oh boy, I'm gonna have to circle back on Kane now. Okay, there's a lot of chatter going on about it. Um, <laughs> there's a couple people that want to know point blank like what he did wrong and why he's on the off the team and why people don't like him. Okay. I'm gonna stick to strictly why the team wanted to get rid of him, as in like his teammates and the management. Okay, um, because the off ice stuff is. Or I mean, it's relevant, but there's nothing that has stuck really. Right. It's just it's too much to go through. Right. So um, he was habitually late to practices, meetings, everything. He was the guy that would always show up right on time. Or you've, late. You've played sports, right? Yeah. And and those guys, you know, there's guys that there's guys that show up early to practice. Yep. Practice. On, they're on the ice and they're. Warming up, they're already ready to go. They're already laced, yep. skates, everything's ready. Then there's the guys that show up frantically, always trying to put things on and make it on time before they're late. When you do that every time, yeah, or you miss meetings and there's no accountability, it shows a lack of commitment, a complete lack of commitment. Yeah, you need to be a leader on the team and not one of the guys that's skating by, lack of a better term. I just love, <laughs> but um. It added up. The other thing was uh, because of COVID, they they laxed the dress code. Now I know there's there's history of him in the dress code, right? Yeah. But everyone's like, okay, you don't have to wear a suit anymore. You could just wear look nice, like polo shirt, whatever. Yeah. He showed up in a t-shirt every day. Right. That's like a slap in the face to everyone else. It's it's a respect thing. Right. And again, it wasn't one thing. He didn't do one thing to to get him in the spot where he's at. It was multiple things like this, little things that added up. And the commitment and everything else was just not there. You're not being a leader of the team. Yeah. You're not a driver of the bus. You are a passenger. And yeah, sure, maybe on the ice you you are the driver. You're like of, the drunk passenger, though. You know, you're doing everything the wrong way, and you don't really care. It's not like you're you're 
you know, you're a part of the team and you're contributing and you're on the bus and you're for it, but you're just not a leader. Right. Right. He's doing everything wrong along the way. Right. Right. So it, it's, yeah, he's a passenger, but he's, he's that belligerent passenger, right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, and, and, you, and you know, people listening to this right now, hearing this going, well, gosh, he was, he was, but he was still there. He was on time for practice. He was just showing up, you know, like right at the, the, the razor's edge of it. Okay. That doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, he wore a shirt, so what? Who cares? It's not a big deal. But it, again, it goes back to this whole idea of culture. And when things like this are affecting the rest of the group to the point where they're saying, gosh, you don't really seem to care, right? Uh, we want people in this locker room who care. Uh, that affects the culture. And it, you could see it last season. You can hear it this season with the rest of the teammates saying, gosh, we're having so much fun all of a sudden, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a coincidence. Right. So... Uh, is it better that he's off the team from a culture perspective? Yes. Now, is it better in terms of them losing a bunch of games by a goal this season? Yeah, maybe we'll not so much. That, but but yeah. we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. that there's a lot of a lot of people talking about it, so I needed I needed to, I didn't want to do it. Circle back on Kane. All right, moving on. Uh, where are we? The Vancouver game, yeah. right? So uh, they go to overtime, they lose. Now the Sharks' record in overtime is after the Vancouver game is six and four. Right. So that's 10 games that got decided in overtime. Another two games that went to the shootout, so mm-hmm. they went to overtime. So that's 12 games that went into overtime. That, that means that's one goal yep. difference, right? Now imagine the Sharks score 12 more goals, and they are in a much better spot yeah. playoff-wise. Well, it's not even the 12 more goals because their record was 6-4. and four. All they had to do was score. But regulation wins sure, sure. are more. But you still get the two points is my point. Absolutely. So in those other six games, the four losses and the two shootouts, right? Yeah. Did they win the well, shootouts? Well, one, one in the shootout. So They're five. One. It's five. Five goals. It's five points. Five goals is the difference here, yeah. right? So, I mean, and that puts them. Not only that, that's five points that they're going up, but also those teams that they lost to. Are not gaining. Exactly. Yeah. So they would be in a much bigger, much better spot. Um should we jump to that clip? It makes right now? me so mad. Hold on, I got All one right. more thing to say before we jump because it makes me so mad. Because at the beginning of this season, I said this is a playoff team. <laughs> this now, is a playoff. Now team. you're mad because they're proving you. I'm wrong. mad because they're not. They seriously, this is a playoff team. Okay, or should have been. There's a bunch of guys that are just snake bit right now. Number one. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a minute too. Um, and then you've got the injury bug that's been happening, right? Mm-hmm. There's guys that should be in the lineup that are not. And I feel like, again, if this team was healthy in some respect, look, we've, we've been missing guys. Mm-hmm. And they still kind of pop it along. They're still hockey 500 or better, aren't they? Exactly well, maybe not 500. now. Maybe not now. They're exactly hockey 500. Okay, they're hockey 500. Not good. It's not good, but... Again, if you take these guys that are injured, if you if Eric Carlson's there, these one goal games, the game that goes to overtime, probably getting two points instead of one out of that, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know. I I just feel like this this team could still could still have squeaked into the playoffs like I thought they were going to at the beginning of the season. But you know, right. one thing after another, and then. But I also said they couldn't sustain an injury to one of their top guys. Eric Carlson is out. Yeah. Right. Well, they, right now they're yeah. showing they cannot. Like they can withstand it for a week or two, and then yeah. after that, things are just going to crumble. Yeah. Plus, you in that second half of the season, which we're into now, other teams that are even closer to playoff spot are playing tighter. You're playing more playoff hockey style yep. than anyone else, and the refs are swallowing their their whistles yeah. a little bit more. 
But on top of that, the Sharks are not scoring the power play. I think the yeah. power play, obviously their lack of goal scoring is part of it, but that is hand-in-hand hand with the power play being just abysmal. I mean, yeah. maybe not abysmal might be a bit harsh, but I, I think, I want to say they're 22nd. They're in the, the bottom third of the league yeah. for their power play. I mean, if it, that is even, like, middle of the pack. Yeah. They're, we're talking they're closer to being a playoff. Absolutely. They, no, they, they're, they are in the wild card spot. If, if, if they take advantage of that, they are in the wild card spot. Mm-hmm. You look at those last four games that we just talked about, right? Three of those games out of the four was a two or fewer, mm-hmm. the Sharks scoring, right? And, we, and Brody always talks about two or fewer, if they can keep it, uh, the other team from scoring two or, or less, right? Then, or sorry, keep them from scoring two or more than two, I should say. Right. You know what I'm trying to say. Um, if, if you can keep them to that, then you probably are going to end up winning that game. Well, the Sharks didn't do that. And so they didn't win those games. And the game that they did score four goals, they allowed five. Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those things where they're having a hard time scoring. And we have a clip here, I don't know if you want to set it up, but it's Logan Couture talking about this very same issue. Sure. This was, I mean, we'll just go quickly. I get this was after the Vegas game, so the last was it last night? Last yeah. night's game. Um, he was Couture was asked about uh, the kind of the scoring chances. The Sharks get a lot of scoring chances, but they just can't yeah. finish them. And we'll talk about a couple individual people. But uh, here's this here's the clip of Couture and his answer to uh, the question about it. it seems to be the uh, the story all all season. Um, you know, we're not finishing around the net on breakaways or open looks. And I don't know. Um, guys are trying to bear down. Everyone in there wants to score. It's not like you come to the rink and, and say, oh, I can't wait to get a chance tonight and then miss. You know, you're trying as hard as you can. And it's deflating. Obviously, guys get frustrated and disappointed. And, um, you know, you go on, if guys go on long streaks without scoring, you try and keep them positive. And, you know, it's so easy to say, well, I'm getting chances. It's going to go in. It's going to go in until you actually see the puck go in the net. You know, you don't feel that relief. And um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of guys in there that feel like there's, you know, the next 10, 20 pounds on, on their shoulders right now. The puck's not going in. But, uh, you know, to, to be, to say a cliche, you know, keep shooting. It's going to go. It's going to go. It's going to go at some point here. So, uh, Logan, very obviously and very clearly calling out Noah Gregor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that guy, man, and Nieto. Okay. I mean, I don't... I'm not expecting exactly. maybe from Nieto. I don't expect Nieto to score a bunch, and yet he's still outscoring. Who else is outscoring Noah Gregor? Uh, Jake Middleton <laughs> is outscoring Noah Gregor right Can I now. tell you guys something? When he told me that before the show started, <laughs> I told him, yeah, I'm not even surprised. I didn't even go, oh, Really? Was, yeah, that sounds about right. That but, poor guy. You know what? No, I Gregor, like man. him, but he just he can't put the puck in the net. He's shooting two point four percent. Not only that, he's missing the net a lot. Yeah, a lot of his shots are missing. He is all speed, and he can't keep up with the puck on a stick. Right? Like he just it's like sometimes he overskates it. Sometimes he just puts himself in a bad position. Like he he gets himself in a good position. But then he just cannot finish. I don't know if he's having an aneurysm every time he gets to the crease or what the deal is, but the poor guy just cannot bury the can puck. You, can you imagine if he was more of a 8 to 10% shooter? Oh, gosh. Are With all kidding? the chances that he's had, he could probably have a dozen goals right now. Ten more goals. If he's an 8 to 10% shooter, we're winning a whole bunch of those games. Exactly. Like, how many well, chances did he have in, those, in all of these games? He has at least two chances a game. That he's not How is your able to bury two point four percent. 
That's that's crazy low. Now I get it. He's not an NHL caliber guy. He's playing in the NHL, but this isn't really where he belongs. I get that. He's but he's you're getting NHL, the chances, bro. He's an NHL caliber guy that doesn't have the NHL NHL caliber finish. Yeah. Like it, the AHL level, I think he does very very well for himself. Yeah. But then he's that he's that in between player that he's good enough to play in the NHL, but he just cannot finish. Yeah. He can't. I don't, I don't even know how to fix that. How do you fix that? Just keep shooting. Practice. I, no, like, don't keep shooting. That's what's going wrong. Is you keep shooting. Well, the he's puck. getting breakaways. He's getting like you well, can't you can't hold yeah. off, right? Yeah. Like, no, that's true. That's it's, true. A lot of these are breakaways because of his speed. He has he has elite NHL speed. But he has mediocre AHL finishing. <laughs> so here's what you have to do. You have to just, and I sound like Tyler Durden here, you must give up. Okay? Don't just, just forget, forget about trying to score. Just do something other than that. Change your role on the team to something that is going to work for the team. Like Matt Nieto did. Like Matt I, Nieto did. Matt Nieto, was to me, was almost the same type of player. When he first came on the Sharks... All this speed, he kept getting these chances, he kept getting breakaways, and he could not finish. And he eventually changed his game to be a, a penalty, penalty killer. killer. And he is one of the best penalty killers in the league. Why? He's fast as hell. He focused on it. Right? And he gets chances going the other way. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. If I was no Gregor, I would focus <sighs> my talent on a, a two-way style of play where you're a reliable penalty-killing force who can pass the puck well who can get the puck to somebody else, who can bury it. Now you've become a valuable asset because you're generating offense, not by scoring, but by being fast, pulling guys out of position to cover you, and then giving the puck to someone who can finish. That's what I would be doing if I was him. I would be changing my game because trying (laughs) to get breakaway after breakaway is only working 2.4% of the time. It's not enough. I like what Kellen Foster said here. Okay, The glass behind the goalie is so afraid of Gary. (laughs) That's good. I wonder how many times they've had to clean the glass with all the black puck marks that are on it from him missing the net. Like, I feel like I'm being very harsh right now, but that was rude, Kellen. <laughs> that was... <laughs> good one, good. though. I like it's it. It's pretty good. Appreciate it, yeah. Um, like, to me, Noah Gregor is a placeholder for next year. Yeah. I, that's all it is right now. He's getting the chances. Give him a chance to get out of his slump. Maybe he buries another eight goals in the last, you know, the rest of the season, and he ends up with double digits. That's a that's a decent end for him. Maybe a confidence booster into the next season. But we have a bunch of players coming next season that are most likely going to be taking over that, that will spot. Completely outplay him for that position, including one Ryan Dezingle, who we claimed off the waiver wire today. Nice. Uh, I like that. Well, because we spent a lot of time on the camp. Right. I'm moving yeah, yeah, along yeah. here. So. Um, yeah, Ryan Dezingle claimed off waivers. So this one was a funny one because he started off in, uh, well, for this trade at least, he was in Arizona, got traded to Toronto in a package kind of deal, and then immediately goes on the waiver wire. Mm-hmm. Toronto had no interest in him whatsoever, so they put him on the waivers. Um, this is someone that we had talked about in the 2018-2019 season, if I'm correct. Uh, this is when the Sharks had played against St. Louis uh, that that year in the playoffs, and then mm-hmm. they lost out. Uh, at that trade deadline, uh, they were looking at bolstering a little bit, and Ryan Dezingle was one of those hot commodities. Uh, didn't end up going to the Sharks, but it looks like they went to Columbus. Yeah, he went to Columbus. Yeah. That's right. And so he's kind of bounced around here and there, but now he's kind of he's with the Sharks now. So that, I mean, I think it's kind of cool that you know it's a guy that we were interested in potentially at that <laughs> time, and uh, you know a couple of years later. 
he's back, he's with us. I'm wondering though, what is it about either current at the time or uh, former Ottawa Senators that Doug Wilson likes so much? Because we seem to to take a lot of guys. <laughs> Toronto too, like Toronto. There's a decent amount of action with I Toronto. Barbanov, yeah. I mean, well, we interviewed Doug. Here he is, right here from our interview. There you go. Um, he uh, he mentioned that. Yeah, I mean, it's more or less. He said it's a good old boys club. Like all these guys yeah. used to either. A lot of them are former NHL players that played at the same time. Yeah. So they all know each other. Some of them are roommates. So there's a very close connection with all these GMs. Um, so you call up your buddy and kick the tires. Like It'd be like you being a GM and me being a GM of yeah. different teams. I'd be like, hey, Paul, come on, man. You got to give me something here. You guys are doing really well. Yeah. We need a little help. Okay. What can we do? I got to I got I got Ryan Dezingle for you. Well, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have much to give you. How about you just put them on waivers? <laughs> Uh yeah, I like that. Let's All do right. it. Let's do it. Bag All of right, pucks coming your way. Yeah, I want dinner. Morton's. Let's All do it. All right. Okay. Fine. <laughs> Fire shawl. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but it's it's kind of like that, right? You've got you some, see, some buddies and yeah, you, you kinda, see a lot of yeah. teams that seem to deal with each other a lot. Yeah. Um, like to me, I see a lot of Chicago and Arizona. Um Arizona and Philadelphia is another one. Mm-hmm. Like just just a lot of uh well. I, I shouldn't use Arizona because Arizona's just the with everyone. Ground. Yeah, yeah, they're with everyone. <laughs> They'll take on everything if you, if the if the pay is correct. Yeah. So um, it's funny because Arizona lost um, in the trade that they had with Toronto. They got less salary cap hit and a draft pick out of it. That's pretty decent, right? Like, yeah, that, that's a that's a good trade off. That would be a good trade off for. A team in the playoffs, like yeah. getting rid of some cap space so you can make another move. Anyway, um, it, it's it, it's weird that uh, that Toronto just got rid of them. And then on top of that, then they made another trade. I think because after Dezingle got taken today, Toronto made another trade with Arizona. Yeah, to get Carter Hutton, the goalie, um, as a backup. Yeah. So it's just kind of yeah, incestuous, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, like, let's it, talk about the Zingle. Okay, yeah, yeah. Where do, where do you think he's going to line up here? Okay, so this is, you, you called him, oh, great, another third-line guy, right? So, okay, yeah, maybe that's the case. However, haven't we seen some guys on the second line that don't belong on the second line? No, Gregor. Um, and, and we've seen them kind of perpetually in that spot throughout the season. So I'm hoping and I'm thinking that Dezingle maybe even slots in on that second line almost right away. Sure. Um, does he belong there? Probably not. But um, I think maybe that's kind of where he slots in. Now, we talked a little bit about this before the show. And we kind of likened Dezingle to LeBanc. Now, they are separate in uh, their skill sets, sort of. But they're very, very similar players. The main difference is being handedness. LeBanc's right-handed, Dezingle's left-handed, and LeBanc more of a playmaking type of forward, and Dezingle more of a shooting type mm-hmm. of forward, right? Um, but their similarities are in kind of like their stature. Um, they're, I think one scout said they're easy to bump off uh, five on five, uh, or easy to handle, essentially, five on five. So, I don't know. Do you think that this is a good acquisition for the Sharks? Is this a guy that's going to come in and, and help? Because, again... What, we just got done talking about they're losing <laughs> games by a goal. If this is a guy who can pot a goal here and there, now his stats may not say that, but he was a 20-goal scorer mm-hmm. twice, and he played for Arizona, and he wasn't too good in Arizona. You're thinking, well, Arizona doesn't have anybody. If he can't do it in Arizona, well, wait a minute. Arizona doesn't have anybody, so maybe he's having a hard time getting the puck there. 
He's he's not a guy that's going to drive the line. He's going right. to be a guy that needs good players around him to thrive. So uh, another kind of passenger, if you will. But he is a shooting first type of guy who typically scores more than he misses. So mm-hmm. well, that, that's not quite true. But we'll be, I think we'll outscore Noah Gregor by the end of the season. Uh, we'll see. But to your point about him and LeBanc being the same, they're not so good five on five. They get neutralized pretty well. Yeah. But when they're on the power play, that's where they thrive. So I could see him probably starting on the second line, maybe balance between the second and third line, just like Noah Gregor, maybe yep. kind of switch into the hot hand here and probably getting top power play minutes to start just to kind of see what this guy can do and, and yep. bring to the team. And again, to your point earlier, you had said the Sharks need help on the power play, mm-hmm. and maybe this is what they're thinking of, right? So we need somebody who can put the puck in the net. We know it's not happening this season for him. Mm-hmm. But maybe a change of scenery. How many times have we said that before? You know, a guy needs a change of scenery, and all of a sudden he just wakes up, yeah. right? Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, it, it's the case for him in, in San Jose. Um, and especially, again, we need that kickstart of some some depth scoring, or just scoring in general, anywhere. Give us a goal. Uh, <laughs> and then on, on the power play specifically. So right. if he's if he can thrive on the power play, uh, this might be a pretty good acquisition for the Sharks. So It was free. It's a free well, player. I mean, there's there's a cap hit to it, but yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, they, have to they didn't have to trade. Yeah. There's no assets that are going out yeah. here. Um, Joseph Stockman, does Ingle is a spot filler with more NHL experience? Yeah. So that's, so that's he's good. okay. So Noah Gregor is a spot filler with less NHL experience. Yeah, I'll take Dzingle. Thank you. There you go. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's some questions here about Doug Wilson, and because he's not acting as the GM currently, he's still right. out. Uh, about his health, and uh, Treybone asks, does anyone think the whole Wilson thing seems suspicious? I hope I'm wrong, but something just seems off, and I think we might hear something about him resigning in the offseason. Um, I don't think... It, there's nothing suspicious. He's just not healthy, and he's trying to get healthy. Yeah. Um, they also said we haven't heard anything from Junior or uh, anyone else, but Joe Will is the one that is acting as GM, so he would be the one that we hear from. Right. Now, he was asked... I didn't get. A, I didn't pull the clip from this, and I wasn't sure if we should even talk about it tonight, but... Um, just really briefly, they're not saying anything about his yeah. health. They're keeping it very private, right. which is totally fine. Um, some of the questions were asked if if they expect Wilson to be back anytime soon, but they did not have a time frame whatsoever, and again, didn't want to talk about it. So um, we wish him the best. You know, I I don't think he's going to resign unless it is something serious. We yeah. don't know. We don't have any insights on right. on any you know behind the scenes stuff. So. Um, and I would even if I did, I wouldn't share it because I wanted to stay private anyway. But but let's be clear, Joe Will is acting GM, but they're in conversation exactly the whole time, the whole way through. It's they not like Doug that. is just kind of like, "Hey, I'm in Tahiti," and then right. go ahead and run the franchise. No, that's it's not. also Joe Will has been around since almost the beginning. Yeah, him and Doug Wilson, Doug Wilson Jr. and a uh, bunch of the old school guys. Yeah. They've been there for 20, 30 years. Yeah. So they're very in tune with each other and, and discuss things with each other all the time. So they probably have a group text going on. They're just, you know, oh, yeah. blowing it up all the time. Totally. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Maybe they're pagers. <laughs> That's an old reference, Aaron. You're old. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so speaking of Joe Will... Um, he does have some, um, I, I don't want to say decisions to make because, again, that's coming from Doug Wilson, but he has some decisions p- potentially to announce. Right. And um, one of those dealing with uh, probably the best player on the team all uh, for this season, although it's been a little... Mm, Timo, I think. Okay, no, 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 Timo. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, that's fair. Behind but Timo, definitely. Behind Timo, yeah. Um, Tomas Hurdle. And, of course, Tomas is in his contract season. 
Um, so he'll be a UFA next season. So he doesn't have to sign with the Sharks. The Sharks have own no rights to him, blah, 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 uh, at once he becomes a free agent, that is. So um, typically what you'll see is a team that's not looking like they're going to make the playoffs are going to trade their UFAs or pending UFAs away and get something in return for him because otherwise you finish the season, you don't make playoffs, and then they walk. Um, the thing that they had said was that there was some some mutual uh, interest between the two, and that's actually in this clip, so I don't want to say it. So I'll let the clip do the talking um, for what is going on there. But essentially, just Joe Will talking about Tomas Hurdle, right? Right. It was asked about uh, kind of like where they were in talks. Were they talking about trading? Were they even talking negotiating yeah. contract? Has a contract even been sent over to Hurdle to review? Stuff like that. So here's what uh, Joe Will had to say about uh, Tomas Hurdle. I talk, uh, I've talked numerous times with uh, Craig Oster, uh, uh, Tomasha's uh, agent, and, uh, you know, we, we've, we've talked about a lot of things. And, you know, the, the, one, the one thing we have in common is, is that, uh, uh, you know, Tomash loves being a shark, and, and we love having Tomash here. And uh, so now it's, it's finding the way to, to have that happen. Uh, you know, through negotiation and, and talking about uh, 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 a next contract for him uh, in which we have done. And, you know, much like many other teams in the league um, it it's, you know, he, he's a player that, that, that we want as part of our, our team. And, uh, and we're going to do everything we can to try and make that happen. Uh, it just is, is challenging always in an environment to where there's a flat uh, salary cap. And that just makes it, uh, you know, a, a little bit more complex in, in how you get to the end result. And, uh, but right now is, is we're engaged. Uh, I think we have, uh, you know, uh, Tomash is, uh, uh, you know, big part of our team and, uh, you know, we'd like to keep him. So I think what would be really awesome is if they had some kind of handshake deal and they're like, Hurdle, where do you want to go? We'll make it happen. And then the offseason, you come back and sign with the Sharks. Yeah. Get as much assets as you can. We're going to try and trade you for a first-round pick. And then instead of signing with that team, you're going to sign with us as a free agent. By the, by the way, I don't know if you guys can hear that, but yes, there's a helicopter <laughs> flying directly overhead. They're uh, looking for Paul. <laughs> They found me. My rat's here. Um, if the the camera cuts to Aaron and then it cuts back and I'm gone, that's yeah. They they, they found me. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, he's talking about you know we've gone through some talks. We've you know maybe got some stuff in the works. Yeah, I mean that'd be nice if they did something like that where there's kind of a handshake deal. But I stuff there's like no that usually happen. doesn't happen. No. Yeah, so. Um, but I would love for that, you know, give the guy an opportunity, but then don't make him move, right? I think, mm-hmm. there, again, there's mutual interest there. He wants to be a shark longer term. Uh, the sharks want him to be a shark longer term. It's just a matter of getting that done. And he was referencing, like, you know, cap and flat cap and everything else. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think Hurdle's one of those guys that, you know, he's kind of the heartbeat on this team. Not necessarily. There's, there's a couple guys that I would put in that category. I think Ferraro is definitely one of them. Um, but I mean, Hurdle's right there. Hurdle for me is he's he's right there as part, you know part of the heartbeat of the team. So, um, but I understand the business too. Like it, just because you like the player and just because he's good for the locker room doesn't necessarily mean it makes sense for him to want to even resign in San Jose, right? The guy wants to go and he wants to go win. And if the Sharks aren't looking like they're going to do that now or in the near future before he's you know over the hill, uh, you know hockey <laughs> over the hill, then. 
maybe he wants to move on and go somewhere. I mean, look at Jumbo. Jumbo wanted to be a shark for life, and then he ends up going to Toronto and going to, to Florida. He wants to go win a cup. Mm-hmm. And players want to do that before they're 42 years old, right? So uh, I can't blame him if he does want to get traded. Um or if he doesn't want to re-sign in San Jose after the season, I can't blame him for that. Unless you know the, the Sharks can show him that look, we're going to be a better team, and here's how. And then they give him a convincing pitch, right? right. Like a timeshare. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. if they give him a convincing pitch, look, we got Willie Eklund coming in the pipeline, right? We've got you know a bunch of prospects that are tearing it up in their in their uh, respective leagues that are going to be you know vying for spots on this team. I promise you we're going to be uh, looking for this type of player in free agency or we're going to make a trade for this type of guy, whatever the case is, right? Um, if you can if you can convince him that way to stay, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to stay because, again, otherwise he's got to pick up his life and move. But then you really do need to, to have that team in place for the next season. You know, oh, yeah. you really do, because otherwise, man, that looks real bad. You tell a guy that, hey, we're going to be right back in there, you know? And I think... For me, for the first time, I can say that I honestly do feel like it would make sense now for a rebuild to happen. Not a retool, for a rebuild. The only way, though, is if Hurdle gets traded. If he gets traded, forget trying to retool. Just just go all out and dump everything. For for me, that's that's to me how important Hurdle is to this team. Wow, yeah, I think if Hurdle goes, just start dumping. All right, that's that's my whole thought process on that one. Sure. That's, With that, let's do our roll call whoah. and ask you, what do you want the Sharks to do? Yeah. Do you want them to sign Hurdle or trade him? Let's hear it. Oh, is, where are you where are you watching from? Yeah, and then the question, <laughs> right? Tell us where you're watching and if you think Hurdle should sign or be traded. I want him to be a part of the team. I really do. But I I just think it's not fair to the player if we're not going to be in contention. If we're not, right? And it looks like maybe we won't be. But hey, again, maybe Tug Wilson's pulled some magic tricks before. So who knows, but you know, with Eklund coming in, if Dezingle kind of snaps out of it and kind of goes back to form, that 20-goal scoring form, <laughs> no. right? If yeah. if LeBanc, in his time off, read some books on playing defense, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe maybe this team kind of isn't as bad as it turned out to be this season. Um, and maybe they can, you know, make a push next season. Yeah. But, I mean, and again, you know, at the beginning of this season, um, I had said, you know, this is a playoff team. And I honestly, I think if they stayed healthy, and I think, um, yeah, I think it, it really what it comes down to is that they stayed healthy. And and if Noel Gregor didn't have a 2.4% shooting percentage, I think we'd be in a much better space. So um, I, it's just unfortunate the season kind of just got away from us, I think. But, um, you know, again, if they can convince Hurdle next season, uh, we'll be right back there, then... Great, good for him. I honestly think if Hurdle's going to resign in San Jose, it should not be more than two years. Shouldn't be more than two years. It should be a one to two year contract for Hurdle. Yeah, say I, show me him sh- telling them show me. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't think that's silly. I think Hurdle should. I say, think his agents can be like, you want to get the most term and the most money. 
And to me, I think he's earned an eight-year, $8 million year contract. I think his agent would be remiss to think, hey, let's sign with a team that's been at the bottom of the Pacific for three years in a row now for a long-term contract and lock you in similar, to this situation. Similar to Couture's deal, 8 by 8 with the promise of him being captain at some point in the near future. I don't know that guys care that much about being captain. I don't know if it's... Oh, I get to be the captain? Cool. Well, then he's I'll sign He's one of the on. leaders. He's yeah, sure. Leaders. But he's got an A on his jersey. Does, does the C on the jersey really mean that much more that he's like, fine, I'll stay? Or does going to a place where you're going to win a cup, regardless of what letter's on your jersey? I want to hear him say, I'm the captain now. I'm the captain. <laughs> well, you know I'm the captain now, so it's... <laughs> Must be God, can you imagine those press conferences oh, with Hurdle talking all the well, time? Well, yeah, I can't because he does it. I love it. I would love it. Oh, my goodness. Imagine him in the locker room mad at everybody after a bad period. <laughs> Just berating everyone as fast as he can, you know? I love that guy. Yep. Absolutely love that guy. I'd hate to see him go, but I understand if he does. It makes good business sense for I him and for the team. But I agree, but I at this point, I think the Sharks are going to sign him now that they have the cap space with Kane's salary most likely gone. It's still not completely done. In fact, there was a question about uh, an update on the arbit- arbitration. Um, Joe Will had said that it, it's looking at this point, it's not going to happen before the tread deadline. So it's going to be happening much later. So they won't have an answer about it until probably the off season. Right. Um, and he said that he can't. He can't assume that that money is all gone. Like he can't act. You know, they can't go out and trade and sign all these people, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, that seven million dollars has to stick," and then you're like, "Well." I'm screwed now because I just spent all that money, yeah, you know? Yeah. So he can't plan on it not being there. But I think most of it will be gone, but I think they're still going to get hit with the penalty. I don't think they get hit with anything. I think if it's within the rules and they allowed them to do it, then it's within the rules and they're not going to have – It's the contract is canceled, essentially, so yeah. there's no contract. I think they don't get hit with anything. Now, I think they'll still okay money, but I don't think there's that cap hit is there. Yeah, so – so I, I, that, I, I think that's $7 millions off the books. Okay. Um, which is a good thing because you can offer more of that to Hurdle to try to get him to stay. Now, again, do you want to offer that to Hurdle to get him to stay or do you want uh, you know, your, your rebuild, retooling, whatever, to, to kind of kick in full gear? Because if you do, see, yeah. the thing I don't like about Here's the thing I don't even like about it, okay? You trade Hurdle. Who are you trading him to? Uh, a in general. that can... You could probably withhold salary, maybe do a double withhold salary. Forget that. Where are they in the standings? Florida. What if he goes to Florida? Okay, where are Reunited they in the standings? Where at are the they top? In the, at the top? Yeah. The teams that are at the top of the standings, where are they picking in the first round? Well, you probably want a first round this year and next year, so you get two first rounds. Sure, but they're but probably... But even then, you can trade two first round picks... To move to up. To move up. Sure. Or a first and a second. You give me your first and second, and then I could take those and package them and sure. go into a higher first round pick. But barring that situation that you find someone willing to do that, because um, again, if, if you want to have your pick, say in the top five, top ten, you're that bad of a team, you want your top five or top ten pick. You don't want a guy down in you know 29 and 27 or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? You want that guy. So I don't know. I don't know that even packaging them together and moving up is is really even going to work. That's that's a what? Uh, go ahead. Oh, okay. That's that's a scenario that is you know would work out well for the Sharks. I don't think that many teams would be like, yeah, let's let's do that. Let's take our top five and trade it down. Thank you, Edgar, for the two dollars. What about a new coach? Is that on the table also? I talked about this I think last night actually with uh, the fantasy team and or the fantasy league, and uh, I don't. To me, like people were talking about. 
you know, what if we had a new coach? Would that change things? And I'm like, no. Like, Bob Bugner was given a pile yeah. of poop and said, here, make this a playoff team. And he molded it as best as he could. And I thought he did a phenomenal job. If there weren't so many injuries and yeah. Gregor could score, then this team would be in the playoff spot. And if they made the playoffs, I think you'd be up for the Jack Adams Award because that was a <laughs> lot of undertaking and changing. I think the changing of culture yeah. works. Yeah. I yeah. think he's done a phenomenal job, and I don't think another coach wouldn't have been able to another coach that was on the market at the time would have been able to do anything I, better. I think Bob Bugner's biggest fault was allowing a Vander Kane to do a Vander Kane when he did. I think that was his biggest fault. Beyond mm. that, I can't really fault the guy for the way the season went um, or the seasons prior. If you think about it again, this is the the whole COVID seasons, right? Um, those ones, I mean, yeah, other teams I go through it too. That doesn't mean everybody responds to it in the same way, right? Um, people people react differently to different situations and it's not necessarily makes one better than the other. It's just they react differently. Um, so and that goes for the players as well. So you can't just put that all on Coach Bob Bugner. He maybe he did reacted perfectly to it, and he was trying to get his guys to do play the game a certain way or get their mind a certain way, and those guys didn't react properly or, or the way that he was hoping for or the way that would have helped them progress their games forward. So I don't know if I could put it on just Bob Bugner. Now again, you look at where the defense was before he jumped in, and then after he jumped in, immediately there was an impact there. Um, but again, I think the main fault was that he let Evander Kane get away with what Evander Kane got away with, mm-hmm. and there were the complaints and the culture issue, and he let that was on his watch. So that I will say absolutely, that's on Bob. He's the coach. He needs to be in control of that situation, and he wasn't. This season, though, again, getting Evander kind of out of that whole whole uh, that whole culture, out of that situation, uh, holding him accountable getting him off the team, letting him go somewhere else, good for you. And again, you take a look at the culture after he's gone, and you hear players saying, hey, we're having fun now, it's a good time in the locker room, blah, blah, blah. Should we pat him on the back then? Is that because of Bob Bugner? If it is, then then okay, fine, maybe it's a little bit justified the other way around. But if it's not on him, then why are we putting it on him from before? Right, that it would, yeah. the culture went downhill. So it's one of those things where we're pointing at a certain guy and we're saying it's because of you. But when things go good, we don't say, oh, it's because of you for the same reason. And I just don't think that that's necessarily fair. Um, The other thing is we have no clue, guys. We're not in the locker rooms. (laughs) And I say we, I don't mean me and Aaron. I mean everybody, the whole fan base. And and what I do know, though, is you can't change one piece and everything goes right. Okay? You can't change the coach. Other teams have done it. Okay. And, and is that sustainable? I'm being the devil's advocate. I know, I, but is that something that's sustained? No. I don't think you can change one piece and everything goes right. You change the coach and all the players go, oh, man, we want to impress this coach. Okay, you didn't just change the coach then. All their mindsets changed, and they all decided they wanted yeah. to work harder. If they decided that for the coach that, that ended up getting booted out, they would have been a better team. They call it the buy-in. Right. The team bought in on his philosophy and play style and uh, culture change yeah. and everything else. And I think I think it's worked. I think the team looks way better than they did the last two seasons. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, he was the coach for a season and a half of that, but those were all shortened seasons and mm-hmm. everything else. And he finally got to have a training camp and do everything he wanted to do. So um, I don't think the coaching is the problem. I think the, as someone said here, uh, 
Where is it? We have serious depth problem. Other teams have more depth in their lineup, and they can suffer injuries and COVID, but not us this year. I full-heartedly agree. It's a depth problem. I think because of the heavy contracts the Sharks had, they could only do so much with what they had space with. Um, If you kind of look at the Pittsburgh model, they have the top three guys, basically, Crosby, top three paid guys, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. They built around that, and for a while, Flurry. They built around that and had just, you know, because Crosby is so good mm-hmm. that they could put a third line winger on there and make him good. and make him a thirty goal scorer. So they kind of tried to do that model because they kind of had to based on yeah. the salaries and stuff. So you have your horses, and then you try and fill in the blanks. But if you lose one of those horses, like Carlson, it, it all kind of falls apart. I think that's where they're at right now. Yeah. Um, Kellen said, do you think Bugner helped to bring that block shot mentality? And guys like Ferraro bought in. Bonino is also very high in that category. <laughs> well, they brought Bonino and Cogliano in because of that. And Nieto, too, for a little bit. Yep. Um, they're big on what we talked about in the beginning of the season. Professionals, working hard, yeah. doing all the little things exactly like shot blocking. When you see a guy diving in front of a puck, in front of a shot, and you go, wow. like That kind of gets you to go, I need to do that. I don't know if it's Bob Bugner's influence on Mario Ferraro. All I know is that Mario Ferraro is the hardest working guy on the ice every single night, night in, night out, game in, game out, practices, doesn't matter. This guy goes 100% every single time. Mm-hmm. And it's he's one of those guys that I, I'll rewind and show my kids, dude, like that guy, you know. I don't he, think uh, Bugner wasn't like the reason that yeah. he's like that, but I think he also nurtured and made it better. Sure. I, because he was a hardworking guy, yeah. he was able to kind of, I keep saying mold, but mold him into a better player and a hard, because he was a hardworking guy already. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to, he was a coachable, easily coachable player. I mean, Mario Ferraro is not the most skilled defenseman no. with the puck, yeah. but he doesn't need to be. He needs to focus on the other parts of his game, which is what he does. And shot blocking, I mean, he was, before he got hurt, he was, I think, leading the league in shot yeah. blocks, right? He was. Uh, I don't know if he still is now, but... And he's up there, but I don't think he's leading anything. Yeah, right but, I mean, that's... If if it was a different coach, I, I don't think he would be leading the league, but he would still be up there, but he wouldn't be... At, it wouldn't be as huge, a big part of his game as it is now. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, by e- either way, whether it's shot blocking or, or not, whether Bugner had an influence on the shot blocking or not, I think um, <laughs> he goes to any team with any coach. That guy's impressing the hell out of everybody. He's working as hard as he can. He's going to the corners. He's digging it out. He does not stop. If you have a chance to just stare at Mario Ferraro uh, during a, a shift, just watch him. Forget everything else. Um that is the way, if you're a coach, if you're a parent of, of a kid who's who's playing and wants to take you know their game to kind of that next step, maybe start doing travel stuff, have him watch Mario Ferraro. Even as forwards, have him watch Mario Ferraro. That guy does not give up. Um, he is an absolute inspiration to watch. I, I love watching Mario Ferraro. He's phenomenal. All right, I got two things here. Nick W., we need an all-star forward to come in. Just ignite a fire like when we traded and got Joe Thornton back in the day. Just a huge shot in the arm. Followed up by another one from two wheels down. Everybody has to build through the draft now because the NHL's become a players in their 20s league. Players barely can keep up now after 32. And with that, I'm going to segue into oh boy. Joe Will 
when he was asked about what his his slash the Sharks' favorite prospects are and kind of how they're coming along and what they're expecting for, not necessarily this season, although some of these guys might be joining the Sharks at the end of the season because their seasons with their respective sure. either college or, or other leagues will be finishing, um, and they'll be able to sign as a professional and join the Sharks or the Barracuda. Yeah. Um, so here's a list, uh, kind of a list of guys that he's excited about um, coming into both the end of this year and next year. Of, of the prospects that are, are outside of uh, uh, the Sharks and Barracuda right now, it's it's kind of a group of six. You know, you'd say Eklund and Bortolo, you said, said Brandon Coe, who's, uh, uh, you know, been first and second in scoring in the OHL during, during the year. Uh, Daniil Gushkin, who's also in the, in the uh, OHL and uh, a very dynamic player. Um, Tristan Robbins, who's been in top five in scoring in the WHL, and Ozzy Weisblatt, uh, our first-round pick from uh, a few years ago, who plays kind of a, a grittier uh, type of combination of, of, of grit and scoring. I think all six of them, um, you know, they're, they're all players that we look at that they, they all have legitimate chances to be kind of top nine forwards in the uh, – uh, you know, in, in the NHL and, and have, you know, really helped our organizational depth. And I, I'd say we're, we're bullish on, on all those players. Uh, you know, there's also a defenseman uh, that we have in, in, you know, Gannon LaRock and, and, and Kashnikov and Guriev and, and, uh, and, and then Benjamin Gaudreau and, and Magnus Krona uh, amongst the goaltenders. And then within the Barracuda, I think you've seen a number of them. Scott Reedy is still amongst the goal leaders in the American Hockey League. So, you know, he's having a, a heck of a year there. And then the, the players that we've kind of rotated in from the Barracuda this year. Um, so, you know, uh, I think organizationally, prospect-wise, we're, we're a bit deeper than we were. And, you know, at the at the top end, too, is, is some of the guys that we saw in the lineup last year. Um, you know, there's still competition going then. And this year kind of coming in, uh, uh, Bear Bonoff and, and, uh, and Dolan actually kind of grabbed uh, a couple of those spots there too, which shifted some guys that, that, you know, based on last year might've been in there. So I think we've, 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 uh, attacked the depth a little bit, uh, you know, through the draft, uh, uh, through the prospect here, uh, through some of the players with the Barracuda and then over the top by, you know, bringing, uh, back, uh, uh Dolan and then, uh, uh trading for Barabanov last year. So actually a, a lot of solid names there. I like uh, Tristan Robin, uh, yeah, Robbins, mm-hmm. um, Brandon Coe. Mm-hmm. Um, Ozzy Weisblatt, I'm still kind of juries out for me. Um, I, I mean, I think he's, he's a great player and everything. I just haven't seen a whole lot from him. I know uh, uh, Jonathan Becker will kind of you know tweet out these or retweet out i guess yeah. uh some of like things from the ohl showing like this player and that player and whatever else and i don't see a whole lot from weisblatt uh, in that regard so maybe not as flashy but um from the guys and we saw daniel gushin uh do a phenomenal what was a, a shootout goal i think yeah um it was through the legs and then he pulled it back through his legs and then he shot oh man it was insane um so you know some high school guys now again for me this isn't just about do the Sharks have prospects in their pipeline? This is also about, do the Sharks have prospects to get Hurdle to want to stay? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think the future is looking better and better, and I think this year they're going to miss playoffs and have another higher, I wouldn't say like a top pick, like right. a top three pick, but probably up there in the top ten. That would be my guess. That's kind of where I, I kind of want the Sharks to stay, almost where they are right now. 
trade away some pieces, get a couple more draft picks coming either yeah. this this year or next year, um, and then getting stocking that cupboard even a little bit more. Um, to me, Ozzy Weisblatt is a guy because he was a first round pick. Everyone's like high on him, yeah, thinking he's going to be a top three, top six forward. Yeah. I think he's going to be a very good third line guy who's yeah. going to be doing a lot of uh, penalty killing. Maybe a little power play, kind of a guy that does it all. That that's kind of me. What I think about him. Yeah. Um. I'm trying not to get too excited about him. I'm more excited about Bordalo, <laughs> yeah. Eklund, and uh, was it Gushin? Gush- yeah, Daniel Gushin. Gushin. That guy is a very high skilled forward, which they don't have that many in their organization. Right. So that kind of excites me more. Like I, I bet Gushin would be because he's. I don't think he's a big guy, right? No, I'm probably not. Um. That would be like a very good second line winger that's going to be scoring some decent goals he's not going to lead the team but he's going to be up there in the top so i'm excited for these guys plus you get these other pieces that are already there transitioning to them and and changing the team but um i'm excited about these guys some of these we probably won't even see for another year or two Mm -hmm. um someone asked about merkley didn't hear merkley's name there he was talking about people that are not in the sharks or Barracuda, right, and he's on kind of both right now this season, right. so yeah. that's why I didn't talk about him. <laughs> so, and and speaking of Ram Merkley, I thought he hasn't played terribly. I think he's been pretty serviceable actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taken some time with the, with the the power play and everything too on that second unit, I believe, and just you know making the most of his time there. Now, um, are they putting goals in? Obviously, not so much. We've talked about the power play being a little bit limp, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, is what it is, but. You know, for all intents and purposes, the guy's you know kind of making the best of his time there, and he's he's getting some looks, he's getting some experience, and that's kind of what you want out of Ryan Merkley, right? So, um, hopefully, he gets uh, through the rest of the season, gets some more experience, gets to uh, learn a little bit more from you know the big guns and Brent Burns and mm-hmm. and uh, Eric Carlson. I actually see Merkley more in step with Eric Carlson than than Burnsy. Um, I feel like he's a little bit more of the he can move the puck a little bit better, you know, yeah. for himself. I mm-hmm. mean to say, uh, and then he finds he absolutely he's got such great vision. He can find anybody on the on the rink. So, um, I, I'm, I'm maybe for the first time about Ryan Merkley, maybe a little bit excited about it. I, I mean, I don't know. I think for, for all the years before, I was just kind of like, okay, well, he's still in the AHL. Let's <laughs> you know, it's come it on, was, buddy. It come wasn't on, his, you know, it wasn't his offense that needed to work. It was, no. it was the defense and, and positioning, and yeah. I still think it's going to take time. I'm To me, I'm no longer thinking this guy's going to be the next Eric Carlson. I think he's going to be, a, at best, I would say, second-pairing, yeah. puck-moving defenseman, um, someone who he's going to need some kind of anchor-type defenseman to, to, to play. And, and I think we talked about, or they had talked about, um, Middleton being like that pairing with him. Yeah. Uh, you know, once... Carlson and and Burns are gone, or maybe one of them is gone, and they kind of that moves him up the depth chart yeah. a little bit more. Um, I could see that happening, but yeah, I I I don't think he's gonna he's not gonna light up the league. He's not gonna be putting up 60, 70 points. It, it'll probably be like a forty point guy, a second power play time, um, but makes the makes the people around him better, like Carlson does. Sure, not yeah. as good as Carlson, but but better than. Uh, a right-handed shot defenseman that has stone hands and can't move the puck, right? <laughs> yeah. So someone that could skate, and he's very good with it. Um, guy, do you want to talk about any of the other prospects still, or no, you're good? Uh, that's good. Okay, because we'll the, there's guys that um, maybe we can get a little bit of an update on. I don't know, but um, 
we talked about Dezingle and kind of his you know parallel from another universe, uh, LeBanc, in that he's left-handed versus right-handed and playmaking versus shooting. Um, so Kevin LeBanc obviously been out for pretty much the whole season. So most of the his, season, I think yeah. since December is when he went out. Um, the update on him was that he was progressing very well. What I thought he was been out for a lot longer. No, than you that, just no? think that because he wasn't playing well. <laughs> Do me a favor, guys. Can you double check on that one, please? Uh, uh, are you sure? Uh, Kevin LeBanks played 21 games. Has he really? Yeah. He's been a ghost. Yeah. He's I mean, 21 games. He had three goals and three assists. So anyway, uh, he he's progressing and should be back. They're expecting him back about mid-March. Okay. So was that four, three weeks away? Probably three weeks away. Um, to that point, though, there is absolutely no right-handed shot yeah. forward in the lineup. The only right-handed shots right now are Burns, Merkley, yep. and Malosh when he's playing. I don't even know. He's right-handed, know. right? I guess. I don't even I know. I think that's it. So yeah. there's there's no forward that uh, has a right-handed shot. So, And Dezingle has apparently a great slap sh- or a uh, one-timer. One-timer, yeah. But he's a lefty, so... In fact, Reimer had said he's not looking forward to taking his shots in practice. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he played with him in Carolina, yeah. So he he took a lot of practice shots from him. Um, I hope yeah. he can spark something, man. I really do. I'm I, sure he will. I'm sure the first couple games he's gonna he's gonna put in a couple goals. Everyone's gonna love him. Yeah. And then, as some people said, he's someone had said. I think he's our our uh, resident Ottawa Senators fan. Is that he was like the cockiest player that never did anything. <laughs> Great, <laughs> great. We need another we, one of those. We talked about the Sharks don't really have a cocky player that shoots, and they kind of needed that. Okay. Not that he's going to be a forty goal scorer, but they needed something, somebody there that's going to always shoot. So, the, well, you, you were saying they needed a guy like Evander Kane, and I feel like they did, except for all the other stuff. So, I don't know. Maybe this is he's not Evander Kane. Well, no, you can't but, replace Evander. Yeah, Kane. for sure. That's especially like someone you're going to pull off of waivers. He's not going to be. <laughs> A Vander Kane type, so uh, whatever, man. They got a guy out of the AHL in a Vander Kane, so it can happen. <sighs> Just saying. Anyway, uh, so LeBanc uh, supposedly going to be back. So yeah. that everybody who's got something bad to say about LeBanc, fine. But at the same time, dude, he he is an NHL caliber forward. He's got his flaws, right. but. He's an NHL caliber forward who's more known for sparking plays. <laughs> yes. And this is what the Sharks need. They need people to make plays. Because mm-hmm. uh, it ain't happening for, through uh, Noah Gregor, that's for sure. Um, Kanijov. Yeah, you remember that guy? Yeah, yeah. I do. I miss that guy. I do, too. I, I forgot about him until we got an update. I'm like, wow, he's 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 been out all season. Yep. Um, that kind of happened, I think, during training camp. Something popped up, and it was an injury, and yeah. ended up lingering. And I, I can't remember if he had surgery or not. But but for even for him, we, there's nothing new. There's no no. They said there's uh, Joe Will had said there's not really a timetable for him. So there's a chance that he could miss the entire season. Yeah. Which is just terrible. I feel bad for him. It sucks because he did. He I felt like the last season he had a really you know for himself career wise he had a good breakout season. Well, right? yeah, great chemistry with yeah uh, Carlson. Absolutely. They were paired up at, at the end of last season. They were doing very well together. Now maybe Carlson just makes people better, and that's fine. But I thought he held his own as a defenseman. I thought he held his own. I thought I mean, he did a good job controlling you know the gaps and pushing people towards the wall right. and all that the things that a solid defensive minded defenseman should do and I don't know necessarily that he is like the defensive minded guy because I think he still he kind of is. moves the puck fairly well he's, though. He's a very he's a defensive defenseman but he 
he's not a slouch when it comes to moving right. the puck, which is why I think he did well with Carlson yeah. because you could see his game kind of develop with Carlson. His his um, what do you call it? His his confidence grew. Where, where he was under pressure with the puck and he was able to get it out, skate it out, or make a play yeah. to get it out. Yeah. So I thought it was great. Right now the Sharks, because they put Aiden Hill on, on IR today, um, yeah. they have almost $20 million on IR right now. Whew. They have Carlson, who's a big chunk of it, that's half. Yeah. LeBanc, 4.7. Aiden Hill's 2.1. Kanijov is on there, and Jacob Magna is another one. Do you that's think, a lot. Do you think... They just leave Carlson on long-term IR for the rest of the season and then use that gigantic chunk of change to take on some bad contracts, get some first-round picks or second-round or whatever. Maybe. Get maybe a prospect here. Or they do the, you know, we'll retain salary for draft yeah, pick. Yeah, team. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think it's... It depends on uh, Carlson's injury too. I think he's going to be coming back. I don't. He they held him out. I feel like they did this last season where they held him out and he wanted to come back and play the last two weeks and they're like, no, we want you healthy. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do it, but I also think he'd be pissed if he was ready to play and they wouldn't do it. You know what I mean? Okay, that's fair. I don't mind Eric Carlson playing. It's fine. Yeah. Like at this point, like at the end of the season, because his cap hit goes down yeah, every yeah. single time, so they already have a bunch of space. I mean, especially if they're taking on rental players, and then the Kane thing comes back during the off season, all those things will be gone anyway. So yeah. they could they could pull on those one year stuff. I don't know. Okay then. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Screeching halt. No segue. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'll try to make it a little segue here. Um, players missing from the San Jose Sharks roster. Fans missing from SAP Center. <laughs> Yes, it's I'm very not, noticeable. I'm not bad at it, guys. I'm not it's, good, but I'm not bad. It's okay. very noticeable on TV. Yeah, um, a lot of seats, especially when you're at the game. Uh, th- you notice they put in those lights in the seats, uh-huh. so when you see more lights, yeah. you know there's less people because yeah. <laughs> they're not sitting in front. Right. Of you. you know it's funny because you had said, and I don't think it was that long ago. Oh, it's great now. They've got all their fans are starting to come back. It was yeah. jumping in there, and then all of a sudden we're back. I to- was I was at the game against. The Flyers, and I think it was right after Christmas. Mm. Um, it was, I want to say it was like 90% full. It was almost a sellout. There was a lot of people in there. I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then, you know, Omicron came, and I think that scared a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially right after the holidays, everyone was, seemed to be getting it. We got it. I got it. I got it. You got it. Um, and it wasn't, it was well after that. It wasn't from that game, in case anyone's freaking out. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's part of it is, is you have to be fully vaccinated or show up proof. It's just a pain, yeah. right? You have to do all these steps to get in. Um, it's slower at the gate. It's still very expensive. The team is just not... Some nights are great. Some nights you're like, oh, wow, Timo Meyer scored five goals in a game. That's <laughs> fantastic. I wish I was at that game. And then there's games against Edmonton where they lose 3 nothing. they look lifeless. It's yeah. like, it's a crapshoot. What are you going to get? Which team are you going to get? So I think that combined with the Warriors are fantastic. They're fun to go watch. They're in a brand new arena, so a lot of people are going to be going to those yeah. games or just watching them on TV. We're in an area where team or player, uh, fans have options. Right? The Niners yeah. moved down to Santa Clara, so, I mean, their season's done now, but I think that takes a big chunk out of that first half of the season. Right. I think if the Sharks were in a playoff position and were playing well, all you see a big jump when yeah. the Niners' season ends, where everyone's like, okay, now I need to pay attention to the Sharks because there's only... 20, 30 games left in the playoff start, and I should know these players' names. Right. You know? So 
I think you see a big jump there. Um, but if you paid for season tickets for Niners, you probably didn't pay for season tickets for Sharks. And if you're jumping in now, you're looking at that's, the team that's like, oh, they're not good. I don't, I'm not going to bother. Right? That was a big problem, I think, for season ticket holders when the San Francisco 49ers moved down to Santa Clara. Now, for those of you who are not in the area, San Jose and Santa Clara are literally next to each other. Like, you yeah. can drive right across the street and you don't even know. You just switch cities. Um, the Niners used to play in Candlestick Park up in San Francisco. They moved south. I want to say it's 45 miles south, 40 miles south of San Francisco. It is the furthest stadium in the NFL from what they claim is the home team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, New England Patriots don't play in Boston. They play in Foxborough, which is like nothing. Like, there's nothing out there. Okay. But they don't claim to be the Boston Patriots. They're right. the New England mm-hmm. Patriots. Yeah. So it's a little different. But then you have other teams that, you know, the New York Giants play in New Jersey. <laughs> they don't play in New York. So that, that that's one of the comparisons of how far it is, and the, and the Niners are still even further than that. Anyway, before we get too much into a 49er show. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, that took a lot because of the seat licenses, because it was a new stadium. A lot, a lot of the money that was season ticket holders of the Sharks. You know, the Sharks were the only good team in the Bay Area for yeah. a long time. So everyone wants to latch on to a good team. Now you have a shiny new stadium that's very expensive. You have to get in there. You're going to say, well... The Sharks are kind of on the down tr- downside of their bubble for playoff, right. right? Their window. So, and the Niners are good. They went to Super Bowl. They're like, yeah, new stadium, going to a Super Bowl. Let's do it. So then they sign a seat license for, you know, it's for life. Like when you when you buy your seat license, and buying a seat license just means you have the right to buy that seat season ticket. Doesn't give you the season tickets. Doesn't give you anything. So you gotta you gotta plop ten to forty thousand dollars per seat. To own the seat. Yet if you don't renew your tickets, you lose it. Yeah. It's like it it it's maddening that people pay this stuff. Like it's so stupid. Anyway, that's a lot of money that no longer goes to the sharks. Um, right. so I think we saw a big decline. I mean, I was a season ticket holder for ten years. One of the main reasons I stopped was ticket prices kept going up every year. It got to the point where I couldn't make games anymore. I couldn't make every game. Right. So I tried and sell my tickets and I wasn't trying to make money. I was trying to get face value, Breaking. and my tickets at the time were thirty dollars a seat because I was up high in the nosebleeds. I was, you know, broke, and I was trying to sell them for 20, 20 bucks. Yeah, and they were selling for eleven. Like it was like why? Why have season tickets when I could just go? Yeah, I want to go to a game. Bucks. You know, I can make ten games. I'll just buy it last minute. Ten bucks, walk right into the stadium. So it just the the secondary market just crashed. Um, People weren't going, so it was. It for me, it was pointless. That was me personally. I don't want to say that's for everybody that had it, but um, anyway, they have a big problem. So going into next season, it's the first time since the lockout of '04 that they reduced ticket prices. So they are lowering ticket prices next season. Yeah, and I, if I was them, I would too. You take a look at the attendance, you take a look at the team, and you take a look at the trajectory of the team, and probably looking at needing to drop the price. Yeah, because it, it, nothing's working. I think it was long overdue. Yeah, I think it was uh, almost eight years too late. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, I don't know where else uh, to go with this. No, uh, upcoming we... games for the week. Yeah, upcoming games. There's so... four this week. It's a busy week. <sighs> wow, okay. It's um, Monday. Today's a holiday. Yeah. But today's Monday. Right. They're playing tomorrow. Okay. So they're playing tomorrow in Anaheim. I think this was the game that was being made up from Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think. If I'm, I could be wrong. Um, 
Then they're playing Thursday at home against the Islanders. And then they have back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. The return of Kevin Kurz. Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. (laughs) So if you look at the schedule, they're playing Boston Saturday, Seattle Sunday. What's good is it's not reverse. It wouldn't be Seattle Saturday and Boston Sunday because that would be like a scheduled loss. So they'll be stronger against Boston than they would be if they were playing them on the back-to-back. But Seattle has the Sharks number. That's true. So it doesn't really matter. Ugh. No, but I'd still rather play Boston first and then Seattle. Uh, see, I don't know. I kind of would rather play the team that's in your division and try to get the win against them. If you're going to get a loss, you may as well get a loss against Boston. But I, I would rather play all out against Boston and pull out a win and then go, okay, confidence booster, let's beat this Kraken team that's been beating us. Even though we're tired, we should be better, better th- right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But you know that's not going to happen. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's totally not going to happen. So what do you think? What do you think this week? Oh, four man. games. Four games. How many points? Saturday? Anaheim, I think. Anaheim, we lose. Um, wow, really? Okay. I, I think Anaheim is just a better team right now. Um, I, I don't think we pull one out against Anaheim. Um, Islanders, I think uh, Kurz's presence is enough to <laughs> shake, rattle, and roll the team. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think Islanders is going to be a tough one. Uh, I, I think they're they're playing. Well, actually, no, they they haven't been too great recently, have they? I think we were still getting the Islanders. Some up- we were oh, still getting been some awful. Yeah, we've been getting updates from Curry still because we were following him. Sorry, Kevin, I unfollowed you on Twitter. Oh, I apologize. Oh. Okay, but everything I see is about the Islanders now, and I just don't care about the Islanders. Uh, when you come back in town, hit us up. I'd love to go get a beer with you or something like that. But uh, other than that, I just I don't want to hear about well, the Islanders. The Islanders have 43 points, and the Sharks have 49. Oh, so so they are awful then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah. Uh, They've so, been the surprise awful team. Okay, were... then, uh, yeah, so I, I feel like that'll be a closer game. Uh, <laughs> I don't know that they're going to pull this one off, but I feel like it'll be a closer game. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think any of these games are going to be blowout wins or anything like that. I don't think the Sharks are going to just magically wake up and just spot you know five on a team. Right. I just don't see that happening. Um, I don't care who it is. Even Seattle, right? You, it's you certainly think, not going to happen against Boston. It's not going to be the zingle factor? No, ooh. Ooh. The, the zingle factor. You know the what? Zingle. There's a missed opportunity here, by the way. Okay? Um, if Tommy Wingles hadn't left... And Ryan Dezingle, if there was a, a, a some universe where he was Wingles was still on the team and we were able to get uh, Dezingle, you could oh, have Jesus. the Wingle Dezingle line. Yeah, I'm that. sorry. Yeah, I know, yes. right? <laughs> close captions going. What Off is going on? The rails. I'm just saying. I think we it's a missed point. opportunity. That's all. So Peter St. John said, "I'm saying zero points. Zero points. No, Peter. No. Woo. We're going with at least two. Which They're going to pull out a win somewhere. I just don't know where it is. Which game should Sachenko start? Seattle. Islanders. Back-to-back. Seattle. Okay, sure. That's what I was thinking. Sure, that makes sense. Against Seattle? Yeah. Do you put him in against Boston and just be like, meh? No. And then you play... <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then then you have, you have Reimer against Seattle. Again, a uh. divisional opponent. Makes more sense to try to gather points here. Or are we just throwing points to the wind and forget it? Let's just see how point, low we can go. At this point, yeah. I think, uh, not that they're tanking. I think they're doing the limbo rock right now. At this point, the players kind of know they're not making playoffs. Especially after this week. This okay. week's going to be the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Now they're playing to get traded. The, the, <laughs> not, the, not the guys with the big contracts. The guys that are on one-year contracts yes. that are their UFAs, right. like, they're playing for their career now. They're playing 
Like, I need to be a showcase kind of of what I can bring to a playoff team, most likely because they're going to get traded. Yeah. Or they're just playing well so that when they go into the offseason, they're going to get a new contract. Okay, two things. If Noah Gregor all of a sudden goes off and scores at a ridiculous pace, I'm going to be pissed. But okay. Noah <laughs> Gregor's an RFA. is not going to be okay, UFA. Okay, fine, fine. But, it's it's different. Different. but still, so if I'm the talking, Sharks could get something for him, you know they would right, trade him. Here's the UFAs. Obviously, Hurdle. Yeah. Dezingle is a UFA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cogliano. Mm-hmm. Barabanov. Mm-hmm. Those three guys. I like Barabanov. I think you resign him. I think so too, but he's going to cost more than a million. Is he? If Kevin LeBanc got four point okay, seven, okay. Kevin LeBanc has history though. Sure, he's got, he's got time in. I, I'm not saying Barabanov should get four, but it's okay. definitely more than one. I'd say closer to three. Okay, I'd be happy but with, with that about much 3 cap million. space between one and three is not going to kill their cap. No, but I'm saying it's going to take three to sign him Fair. to keep him. Fine, I think you keep him. Personally, I want to keep him. I We're not going long term on the guy. No, it's it's no. a couple years, right? I'd say two years, yeah. maybe three. There you go. Three years, that's three a guy million that each. Resign. Personally, that's a guy you resign. Right. But anyway, my point yes. is these guys are going to be playing because they're most likely going to get traded. Not bare bottom. So if Hurdle goes Cogliano, off. Dezingle. If Hurdle goes off, we should take that as a sign. He's gone. No, no you're missing the point. I just, you're missing the point here. Get on with it. Get yes, on with get it. Get on with it. I think he said that because he doesn't. The Gremlins ate his "Get on with it" clip. <laughs> Is that why you said it out loud? Do you not have no, the we clip? Stopped we stopped streaming. Yeah. <laughs> we stopped screaming. You guys are just talking to yourselves. <laughs> oh. I would not be shocked. All right, I think that's uh, Super Producer Jason's way of saying uh, let's end the show here. So, right. is there any last second comment that you want to bring up before we go? D's Wingles. D's Wingles. <laughs> Best wing spot in town. Who said it? Put it on the screen. Who said it? Kellen Foster. Kellen. Well done, Kellen. <laughs> that was a good Tease one. Tease That was a good one. <laughs> um, Come with a t-shirt. There you go. Yeah. Now we're off the rails. <laughs> Thank you, Kellen. There we go. Apparently, Bear Bonoff is rumored to want $4 million for three years. Similar to Fabry. Yeah, well, what he got. I want $4 million. According to enjoy getting that. Kane. Enjoy getting that elsewhere. Sorry. Again, he's showcasing... Because sure. he wants to get paid. Everybody wants to Not get paid. Not necessarily traded, but he wants to get paid. Everybody wants to get paid. It's a matter of if you're going to, I don't know, $4 million. Yeah, yeah. Is he $4 million? Who? Barabanov. Right now? Yeah. He's $1 million No, right I'm now. saying, is he a $4 million player? Oh. Do you pay him $4 million? I don't. You look at LeBanc getting 4.7? I don't pay LeBanc 4.7, though. Depends also who's in the pipeline who's going to be taking that roster spot. we got plenty of guys in the pipeline, buddy. No, my point is I think we already have guys that would be replacing Bear Bonoff next year. Yeah, yeah. So, so I don't think $4 million, $4 million is too much. I'd yeah, take exactly. three, three most. I'd be happy with That's that. That's what I'm talking about. You maybe, try to get $4 million from me. Maybe 3.8. Okay. No. This guy here. All right, I think that'll do it for uh, for tonight. Uh, hey, man, we want to thank you guys for sticking around uh, through our ramblings, and uh, <laughs> we do appreciate you guys with the comments there. Uh, it's fun getting to, to talk to them and everything. So, again, if you guys are not subscribed, please make sure that you do that. Hit that notification bell so you know that when we are going live so that we can have these conversations because, again, it's for my enjoyment, not yours. Um, please feel free, again, like, uh, comment, share this out to all your friends and family. Uh, Sharks folks, why are you biting your lip? Um, share, share this out to them. That's how the channel grows. So if you're enjoying us, uh, get us out to the people that might enjoy us as well. 
Um, any last second thing you want to... Well, visit thefinfactor.com. That is a good thing to bring up right now that I... For the people on the podcast, that was not put on the screen. I remembered it myself. Go to thefinfactor.com. Check out the support link. It's supporting the show. Uh, that is where you can find all the merchandise, uh, the hats, the water bottle that he's got here, the canteen, I guess. Uh, the, the shirts, the what, fanny packs. Where's the fanny pack? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm, the fanny pack is uh, stored away. It's mine. Award? It is mine. I'm yeah, not bringing it bring here it. so that you can try to steal it. You should be wearing it it's, and put your microphone pack in it. I'll call it a, a forehead pack because I'll strap it to my head and just unzip stuff from here. You got it. Um, feel free to do the same, by the way, you guys. Uh, <laughs> anything that uh, we sell on thefinfactor.com, surely do uh, appreciate all the love and support you guys have given us through there. So uh, there is that. If you did not know... We do accept tips through Venmo. I know a lot of you guys don't like doing it through uh, YouTube, but you can do it there at the Fin Factor. Um, but you know, we still have super chat. So again, next time around, if you guys want to support the show that way, feel free to do that as well. Thank you so much. I think we should get a shirt that has a toaster on it with yeah. the Fin Factor sticker. I, I think that would be a good idea. I think we can have that happen, Jason. Yeah, sure. We'll get on it. Yeah, sure. He's on it right now. Perfect. Okay. Uh, we good? Good. We're good. Thank you guys again for tuning in. So for Super Producer Jason, I'm Paul. And I'm Aaron. We will see you guys next week. Next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this episode, check out our other content, especially interviews. You can interact with us directly through social media at The Fin Factor and on Instagram at Fin Factor. And don't forget to join our live streams on YouTube. Visit our website at thefinfactor.com, where you'll find all of our episodes as videos or podcasts. You'll also find our exclusive merchandise to help support our show.